The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 39. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the theme on why bad things happen to good people with a slight detour into why do good things happen to bad people. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. This is part six in our look at why bad things happen to good people. And this week, we'll be looking at the reverse of that. Why do good things happen to bad people? I think a lot of people have this question of, why doesn't God just do away with the bad people? Now, of course, there's an assumption about who we think the bad people are, but we're not going to get into that just this week. There are at least three different reasons that the Bible gives for why good things happen to bad people and why sin isn't immediately punished. And for the first one, we can look at Matthew 13, the parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The theme of this verse is a theme of not yet. That there are consequences, there is a separation, there is a final judgment, but not yet. And the explanation given in this parable is the wheat and the weeds being the good and the bad, that it is for the sake of the wheat, for the sake of the good, that judgment is delayed. That in the process of judging, there are going to be a whole lot of uprooting. And that it's for the sake of those who are faithful that that judgment is delayed, which is an interesting concept. The next one is a similar series of not yet, but from a little different point of view. And I think one of the first references to this theme came in the calling of Abraham, in the calling of Abram back in Genesis 15. And I think this came up before in one of the episodes of the Bible Study Podcast in an earlier episode. But in Genesis 15, verse 12 through 16, there's an interesting paragraph. As the sun was setting... Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated four hundred years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here, For the sin of the Amorites is not yet reached its full measure. This is an interesting dream that happens to Abram while he is in the promised land. And basically what he's told is, I'm going to give this land to your descendants, but not yet. I'm going to give this land to your descendants, but oh, by the way, it's going to be over 400 years from now. And the reason that it's given in this particular section is that... The sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. God seems to be holding off 
punishing the Amorites for their sin, and part of the sin of the people that the Israelites are being given this land to is child sacrifice. And that seems to be a sin that is particularly onerous to God, and the prophets keep calling back to Israel when they start worshiping the Baals and the Asherahs, that that is something that God won't stand. But even with that, even as bad as they're being, God seems to be delaying his judgment. And it seems to be in this passage, although it doesn't say explicitly, that God is giving them more time. And this is consistent with verses in the New Testament, such as the verses from Second Peter 3. Second Peter 3 is talking about Christ coming again. And in the midst of these verses about Christ coming again and what it's going to be like, there are a set of verses in verses 8 and 9, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So what this is saying is judgment too, the final judgment day, like the Amorites got more time. That judgment day has been delayed because God doesn't want anyone to perish. That for the sake of those who are not good, for the sake of those who do evil, God is delaying judgment. Did you ever notice that in the verses on loving your enemy, right in amongst the verses that we remember, and this is coming from Matthew 5, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. There's then these sets of verses. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's interesting that in and amongst these verses about what we're supposed to do, loving our enemies, are these verses in the middle here about him causing the sun to rise and the evil and the good, send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And I had some friends recently on their podcast who were talking about the verses in Proverbs saying the rain falls on the just and unjust, saying that all of us have hard times. But we need to change our mindset when we look at rain and think of this from an agrarian point of view, which is the society it's being written to. Rain is a good thing. Rain means we're going to eat this year. So the rain falling on the just and the unjust, the rain falling on the righteous and the unrighteous, means that he is good to all. And it's interesting that those verses are right here in the midst of love your enemies. As I read this, it's saying, love your enemies, that's what God does. Let me read this one again. This is worth repeating. You have heard that said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? 
Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is it possible that God even loves those who hate him? Well, if you doubt that, then we're going to do one last set of verses this week, and that comes from Romans 5. And Romans 5 talks about our hard times. It talks about when bad things are happening to good people. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And to hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And then it goes on to have these verses. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's part of the problem as we look at these verses of why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? We have to understand that all of us Romans tells us in the chapter before this, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That all of us are sinners. And that God shows his love for all us sinners. And that at the right time, while we were still powerless, powerless to save ourselves, powerless to do anything to get back to God because of that sin, that separation, Christ died for us. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can God even love those who are his enemies? Yes, even us. And with that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any comments, feel free to leave them at thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always... Thanks so much for listening. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. 
Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.